Well, hey, everybody, it's Ray Hughes, lead pastor at Foundry, and this week's midweek conversation is a great one. I sat down with our friend J.D. Wallet. J.D. shared with us at our State of the Church Vision Night just recently. He's the founder of Seedbed, an organization that's sowing for great awakening in the church. And he was right at the heart, at the epicenter, of the Asbury Revival outpouring of the Holy Spirit that's been all over the news. Uh, he's going to share his experience there and as part of kind of the leadership team that was stewarding that. They didn't begin it, but they held it together and helped the students really lead it. And you're going to be blessed to hear some of his experience there. Just a note of reminder, be sure to click follow or subscribe here on the podcast so you always get the newest content when it comes out, as well as sharing it with others. Anybody that you feel like might find this content helpful, please pass it along. Okay, so let's jump right into this week's conversation. Well, hey, J.D., thanks for joining me today and sharing with our folks that are listening. Yes, sir. I love Foundry. I love Foundry. It's a church of fire. Fire. That's right. So we're not in a big group. Apparently, that was a problem the other night at State of the Church. Um, well, before I get to that, introduce yourself. Tell us who you are. Yeah, uh, J.D. Waltz, and I work for a company called Seedbed. And Seabed is sowing for a great awakening. We're gathering, connecting, and resourcing the people of God to sow, S-O-W, as in seed, S-E-E-D-S, for a great awakening. I still have my little Ziploc bag full of seeds that you gave me. They should already be in the ground, Ray. <laughs> well, they're reminding me to sow the real seeds, so that matter. We have an unlimited supply. Unlimited supply. Amen. That's one of my favorite parables, Jesus, uh, the parable of the sower. It's unbelievable. And uh, it's slow work, right? Well, it's it's... Yeah, it's hard work. It's discouraging work. I could, we could spend our whole time talking about yeah. that that parable. The the three out of four seeds you sow amount to nothing, but you know one is a home run every time. Every fourth seed. Well, it's Babe Ruth principle: you're going to lead the league and strike right. out home runs. <laughs> well, uh, I can say your state of the church address to our church wasn't wasn't the strikeout. It was the home run. And that was, that's been a couple weeks ago. I joked with you cause we're going to talk about the Asbury revival in just a minute or outpouring or awakening or whatever word, the awesome just move of God, yeah, the thing. <laughs> yeah. The thing. Um, but first let's go back to the Genesis. As I said, the gen, <laughs> the Genesis of the revival started at foundry when you were here for the state of the church. I'm, kind of joking, but it was like a precursor locally for us because it was such an awesome night just to celebrate, yeah. look ahead. And for what was your, did, what did you notice when you were with us that Sunday night? Well, first off, I noticed that there was tons of people there on Sunday night. Okay. That is a sign 
what do they say? You know, people that come to Sunday morning love the love the church, but the folks that will show up on Sunday night love Jesus. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> there was there was a vibrant group of people there. I noticed a palpable um, sense of faith. Right there was faith there. And there was real expectation and anticipation. It was kind of both a culminating event and a launching event all at the mm -hmm. same time. Mm -hmm. And whenever I made that, the thing that continues to stand out to me, and this cer certainly nothing I said, I just, I think I just announced something that struck the chord, maybe even the match. I said, you know, you're becoming an independent church, which means you're going to be more dependent than you've ever been on Jesus. Mm -hmm. And it was just an eruption of applause. There was an agreement in the room for sure. Of, Not yeah. like we should clap now, but like we are amening from the deep place. I mean, mm -hmm. that's that's hard to come by. And that's, yeah. that's something that's very encouraging about where, where you all are is people are ready to move into the new day. Yeah. I, I got to tell you, I was with a group yesterday that was having a key meeting, looking a group that, you know, well, um, up in the woodlands and they were, and I was on a panel talking about future affiliation. And that was a quote I used cause it really resonated with me. And with our people, uh, this dependence on the Holy Spirit, um, and I think you know the theme for our year is fire, and that's where that that is the fire, right? I mean, we don't make the fire. There's not a strategic plan to create the fire. We are stewarding the fire of God. Or well, how would you You're say a fireplace. that fireplace? I would say that your the church, even even getting a, looking up to that that whole thing we were part of in Wilmore, that place was a fireplace. That Hughes Auditorium, that's a fireplace. Your, your foundry, your fireplace. But it's the relationships of the people. This is what's so critical. That's the place where a fire can productively burn. That's the mm -hmm. church. Mm -hmm. And the fire, of course, is the Holy Spirit. And the kindling... <laughs> It's the people. The people are the kindling. Yep. And um, and so, how do you tend a fire? How do you how do you keep a fire going? You can't. You can let it go out. You can actually put it out in a way. But so the question is, how do we tend? the fire of God, the, the flame of love. And um, that's Jesus. He's like, I came to this earth to start a fire and how I wish it were already kindled. And so it's, it's kindled and it's going. And um, that's a, that's the work of the whole church. Mm-hmm. Everybody has to begin to like take responsibility for it. 
hunger to, to own to own their own responsibility mm-hmm. because those fires need to be burning in our hearts and in our homes mm-hmm. in our church and in our city mm-hmm. and we're all here here we go acolytes <laughs> yeah that was good that was a story you talked about acol- how we're all acolytes to bring the fire to carriers. carry the fire carry bear it in our soul and that comes from a place of would you say that's born? I know this is a, another thing we've talked about. Um, born in hunger, born that that that, that there has to be this, um, which is appropriate, right? As we begin Lent, Sunday was our uh, first Sunday, and we're we're actually doing a series based on a seed book, a seed bed book. Dan Wilt just released. Oh, good in the wild. And it's Jesus in the Wild, right, is the name of the book. Yeah, Jesus in the Wild. Right. So our our series is loosely based on his work. And um, yesterday we talked about those wilderness places and the dry, barren land that's inhospitable to life and how God meets us in those places. And, you know, the burning bush comes to mind. We didn't talk about that yesterday, but as you're talking about fire and connecting it with hunger, this place, this of encounter with God that comes in a very, you know, barren place in Moses's journey, if you know it, and uh, he is in the presence of God, and God releases him to purpose. You know, the the enemy's lie in the wilderness is partly identity; it's uh, it's partly purpose um, that he wants to to dis- distract us or dissuade us uh, that we that our purpose is about ourselves instead of kindling or holding, bearing, being a place for the fire of God to burn. Um, and you know, one of the, one of the reasons I wanted to ask you to chat with me today is, uh, what's going on in uh, what's, what's taken place in the last few weeks in Wilmore, Kentucky, um, which is where you and I first met. Um, while I was in seminary there, and you were the dean of the chapel, so it's a special place to us. And um, but something pretty remarkable and special t- has taken place there, and is spreading from there. Why don't you? And you spent yeah, quite so, a good of time stewarding that. And yeah, we, you know, obviously we began to hear about this back around February the eighth. Uh, February eighth was a Wednesday. They have chapel services every three days a week, Monday, Wednesday, Friday. It's required attendance. I have a son, David, who is a, a senior there at Asbury University. That's not possible. So, David's like still this. Little. I know. <laughs> he, exactly. He was born 2000, yes. And so um, he he just begins to like shoot me text messages like, there's something going on here. Um, the chapel ended in a very just typical fashion. The preacher felt like he just just laid an egg. You know, he he mm-hmm. finished his sermon. He said he had to crash land his sermon. Zach Mir creeps, <laughs> and he texted his wife something like, "You know, another bomb, <laughs> and I'm, I'll be home soon." And nineteen students stuck around. Nineteen and was over. They just for whatever reason. We got the, this photograph. We have these two photographs, like how it started, how it's going. 
But the how it started is this empty room. And there's a couple of circles of people. They're talking and praying together. There's one person down at the altar. And somehow the spirit just started pulling people back there. People just started coming back. People would ask their professors, can I, I just feel like I'm not done. I want to go back and pray. When they didn't know anything was going on, right? The way I understand it is like these kids, students were back in class. At first first it was like that. Yeah. They just felt like they need to go back. Zach had preached on the love of God. And I think what was happening in the chapel was students were beginning to talk to each other and just become honest about like, there's, there's reality. There's the reality of God and the love of God. And then there's my experience. And, and like, I'm tired of the gap Mm. and they just became honest about it. And I think that honesty turned into a hunger Mm. and that began to become a kind of humility that God just poured out his spirit on and it became a, a, a room, a, became a house of love, of the love of God being poured out. And they start singing, just acoustic guitar, you know, and it kept going. They said, well, chapel's still going. And we've seen those things before, right, where they'll just, they'll go on for a few hours and, and that'll be that. And the next thing you know, there's a meme coming across Instagram with a kid carrying his mattress across the campus. <laughs> the chapel i saw a lot of memes i didn't see that one that's good (laughs) and and so it goes through the night and then it and so david's calling me he's like keeping me up with it he's like kind of you know going to class but also going back into the chapel in and out of it and just just talking about the purity of it and the just sort of the goodness of it and meanwhile this you know they're they're keeping up with how many hours, right? Yeah. But all of a sudden, this starts to get out into the world, and other people from the town start coming, and then people from the region start coming, and then people from all fifty states start coming, and then people from all over the world start coming. I mean. There's a map. It's yeah. like a pen map. It's Have really you seen good. it? Yes. Yeah. And then there's this whiteboard, pic- picture of a whiteboard, big whiteboard that was out on the sidewalk, and all the schools that started showing up just wrote their school down, and that, and it's just totally filled. Wow. Like hundreds of schools bring vans and buses, and and lines are just stretching out around the block. And so they create this fast pass for students. You know, if you're a student, if you're under 25, you get right in. Other people are waiting 10, 12 hours in 20 degree weather. And inside, the the beautiful thing about this is there's, it's not like some crazy stuff going on. It's very simple. There's exuberant singing. There's, altar filled with people praying, being prayed for. There's testimony that's happening. There's scripture being read. There's the gospel being presented. People coming to 
to know Jesus, people getting set free from pornography addiction, from anxiety, from depression, from unforgiveness. I mean, just people laying down their lives in kind of a consecrated way. There's just no telling all that happened in the midst of that. And it just keeps on going day after day after day. And nobody's getting tired. You lose all track of time. You don't know. You go in there and you feel like you've been in there for a couple hours and it's been eight hours. And I've never seen anything like it. Um, and yet I've seen it all before. That's the dynamic. Mm. Seen all the things that were happening there. I've seen those things before. You have too. But I've never seen anything like that. Mm. The way that it unfolded. Totally unplanned. Just 100%. No plan. And we're, and we're sort of seedbed. I immediately just put the bulletin out to our whole team. I said, guys, listen. We, if you, if you can go up there, get up there, we'll pay everything. We've got to support this. And that's what we did. We, because this is a university, this is not their, this isn't what they do. And yet they were heroically opening, holding the door open. I mean, most, most institutions would have shut that thing down in two days. Mm. They were holding the door open. They deployed, redeployed their entire staff. We're talking professors and professors across the street too from the seminary. Seminary administrators, and so we're meeting about our our little kind of David Thomas, Mark Benjamin, myself, just kind of jumped into their little Kevin Brown, president of the school, the communications guy. Sarah Baldwin, the vice president of uh, student development. Greg Hasselhoff, the de- the head of the chapel. Jeannie Banter. These we're just meeting every three hours to talk about the next three hours. Hmm. And and again, it's you don't take control of something like that. You do everything you can to keep the students in the lead of it with a light hand of shepherding by some, you know, adults. Mm-hmm. Not that students aren't adults, but you know what I mean. But they were they were the ones on whom this landed, and they, I'll have to say, let it throughout. And it was just unbelievable. Um, and the sense of what God was doing in not only in there, but it started hit, happening in other places and still is. It's there. And what, what I noticed about this was just the extraordinary hunger that people have for God. And I think it's heightened now. Um, I think what were a couple, we're all, like if you drilled in on a few of the people that you encountered. I know I've talked to others who had, you know, it, they oh, had, they remember a couple of, you know, there's these people that stand out that they had conversations with who had come. Somebody told me about Jessica Legrone told me about somebody that came from Russia. And oh, so how they well, even so, got out of Russia. I don't know, but, and got, <laughs> but they, yeah, nothing I, I, was knelt gonna, down to, I, I was kneeling at the altar with, at one point, this guy, he said, my name is Nikolai. And I said, where are you from? He said, Russia. 
I said, like right now? <laughs> He's like, yes. And he said, I can't speak English. Just pray for me. Hmm. But okay. So Pete Gregg, our friend who we've been involved with a long time, he's helped us a lot with new room. He's the guy that started 24 seven prayer. Pete in a long, long story short, Pete Gregg's book years ago opened the door to the most remarkable move of the spirit in my life that actually led me to foundry. So I won't go into all the details, but red moon rising was, red moon rising. Yes, was amazing. We read that an intern brought it to me in the chapel. And next thing you know, we invite him over, but anyhow, so I'm texting Pete. I'm just, just sending him text. Like here's, here's what we're seeing and, and hearing. So he, he says, listen, he put together a call for the next day of over, there was 150 people from 40 countries in Europe. Hmm. And he invites me to come on the zoom and to, bring some university students to just begin to tell the story and, and some of the university leaders. And so it's, it's a, those people on that call just are about to come through the screen, come through the little windows because Europe is the only continent in the world in which the church is in decline mm. and they are just desperate. And the next day I get a text from this this woman named Sarah Brule, who is the head of Revive Europe, which is, the, I mean, they're doing stuff over there in the midst of all of the brokenness that we experience. So she and several of her friends that were part of Revive Europe had planned a meeting in Budapest for right about that time. The minute they got to Budapest, they all caught planes to Kentucky. Hmm. And meanwhile, about 10 of them show up from all over Europe mm. and just dove right into it for two or three days. And now they're, I mean, it's, this thing has encouraged the global church. There's no people from Nigeria, people from Chile, people from Brazil. I mean, I talked to this, I was up in the, just holding the microphone for testimonies at one point, And this woman comes up with a translator. She's from Chile. She says, my husband and I sold our car and bought plane tickets. And we came here to call for prayer for this to happen in Chile. Mm. And I said, and I remember saying, okay, which way is south? And somebody <laughs> pointed, and we all way. turned the whole house to the south and just began to cry out in travail for Chile. And I mean, so many testimonies of people who've been at the brink of suicide. This, I mean, and, and we were, we limited, this was not, it wasn't limited to Gen Z, but they were preferred in it. All the testimonies, like 25 and under. Um, and they're talking about the despair and the anxiety and the depression and the suicide and the pornography addiction and Adderall addiction. And so, this generation has is suffering, mm -hmm. and they have reached a point of of humble honesty, and that's what is precipitating. I believe that's what precipitated this massive rain. Um, it's kind of like when 
when honesty and hunger collide, you have humility. And when he, when humility begins to rise up in faith, it meets love being poured out. And where faith meets love, here's the crazy thing. This isn't a cliche. You have hope. Okay. Not like hopeful. We're hopeful. No, it's like a durable hope begins to emerge. And that's what the world took from this. They're like, Jesus is moving in our time. And this is undeniable. I mean, all these massive church leaders came through there, you know, Jenny Allen from If, Louis Giglio, um, Corey Asbury, Carrie Job, so many people, and they just kind of snuck in and snuck out. They weren't there to to get on the stage and to lead worship. These, meanwhile, these students are leading worship, and there's no, there's no, um, nobody knows who anybody is on the stage, and no, it doesn't matter. It's, it's nameless and faceless. Mm-hmm. Really. Certainly, no celebrities. Jesus, right? It was that came out. Jesus is the only celebrity here. Yeah, one of the clips I saw, there was a a pastor that I know of from New York, and he was there just encouraging the students. But when they introduced him, the introduction was, "This is our friend John." That's all he said. This is John. This is John. <laughs> That's how it was, and and they um, these students. They were they were leading worship in two hour sets, and they had. We learned there's this. I mean, there's so much to say about like how they were prepared and preparing, and that's a whole nother conversation. But it, they weren't. They weren't like stars. They weren't like superstar musicians. Sometimes some of them couldn't even sing hardly. Mm-hmm. Nobody cared. And what I heard was that the crowd would, the crowd, if it, it didn't matter because the crowd, the crowd was leading it. So loud. Right. And so. Well, it, it was beautiful because what, what, what I have, I've kind of been complaining for about the past year about how much production we're putting into church and how loud the music is that you can't even hear yourself sing, much less the person next to you. All right. Now you're going to get me in trouble. I know. I know. There was zero production in Uh this. There were no lights. There was no fog. There were no screens. There were no words. Everybody seemed to know every word. But but there were no set lists. They would sing a song until the Lord shifted to a new song. Mm. And and here's what, what I witnessed happened. The body actually became the instrument mm-hmm. of worship mm-hmm. and the instruments became the accompaniment. And this is what I have witnessed happen over the past you know, decade is that the instruments like guitars, drums have become the thing and the body's just accompanying it. Mm-hmm. And this got reversed and you could hear everybody singing and it was almost, it was louder almost than the band there were no drums. There was no bass guitars ever. It was this little drum you sit on and, and I don't know what you call that, you know, Cajon. Cajon. Right? I think that's that was it. the only, 
That was the percussion, piano, guitars, cajon for 15 days. And there's something to, I mean, it's not that that's some kind of form to emulate, right? but there's some values to pay attention to. And there is something to be said for the, the people, actually the body of Christ becoming the, the core instrument of worship. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we saw physical healings. We saw um, enormous emotional healing, um, healing of all kinds, and just joy, just an exuberant joy and love. It was like a palpable love that you just didn't really want to leave. Um it, I don't know. It, it was something. And we went, we got there on that Monday following. And the first thing I did was like, say, guys, it's time to cancel your return flights. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Burn the boats. <laughs> We're going to be here a while. And, and that's it. We just, we were there as just sort of stage hands and encouragers. And so what is, the, what is, what do you, I, this is maybe an, not a fair question, but why does God work that way? What does, what do you sense that God wants for the person who is, you know, maybe here in Houston or maybe somewhere else listening to me, listening to us, and wasn't at Asbury, Mm -hmm. witnessed it, maybe had even curiosity or questions or like, what is that? Is it real? Is it, you know, is it, is this, you know, just for show or is it just emotional kind of emotionalism? Yeah. You know, Charles Wesley had, had a, had they, the, enthusiasm had a different meaning at that point, but he was wary of, they were enthusiastic. Enthusiasm meant something different, I think, in that day than what we take it for today. Um, but there was, there was kind of a guardedness against a showy type of enthusiasm, mm-hmm. if, if I understand yeah. correctly. Not... Yeah, that can take a life of its own, you know, and it's emotionalism and it becomes revivalism and all those kinds of things. So and... how is this different and what what does the person that wasn't there take from this and what is what is the goal, like what are the ripple effects because, you know, I, I think that there's more than just what happened over a few days that God wants to oh, yeah. do here and that God. Well, that's a great, that's a good question, Ray. And I think that this should be looked at as a sign. It should be looked at as an outpouring, as a, a maybe even, a, I've heard someone there use the term, as, instead of first fruits, it's the first fire. Mm-hmm. And I just got that Lord of, I'm always thinking in Lord of the Rings frameworks, right? And I'm like, the beacons are lit. Mm-hmm. And the beautiful thing is that there's no craziness here. There's no special thing you got to learn to, to th- this is something that is accessible immediately to all of us. And the invitation, I think, of this can I back up? Can I ask you about yeah. that? Like, what do you mean when you say that? 
when this is accessible to us. Um, clearly, this doesn't happen every Sunday when we gather for worship or every day in our personal lives. Um, and and is, does that mean something's wrong if it doesn't happen? Like, you no. know what I'm saying? That's the thing. I mean, there's not like a hallmark, like, okay, well, this means it's got to carry on for a few days. I was at Faith Bridge yesterday, and I was just telling the story. And we invited anybody. Hunger, okay? People are hungry for God. Now, are people filling that hunger with everything else under the sun? Yes. Mm. And so that's why we fast, right? I mean, that's what we're supposed to be part doing of it. when we fast. Yeah. Carrying hunger. Fasting yeah. is carrying hunger. And and so there are these moments of sobriety where you kind of maybe wake up a little bit and say I'm feeding my emptiness with more emptiness. Mm. And I'm tired. I, I, this is there's an awakening kind of moment where you're like, there's got to be more mm. to this. And that has to become honest. And that's when 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 hunger and honesty meet, I keep saying, there's humility, and God loves humility. And so at Faith Bridge, I'm just we just invited people. We had some prayer people there to to pray with others, and immediately people just start coming. And I'm praying with all kinds of situations, um, because this story gave people hope, and they're like, I I want to carry that. And so the worship leaders just kept praying. And I talked about like, you know, the only reason this thing started at Asbury was because 19 students just lingered after. Mm -hmm. And there's nothing professional about it. There's nothing produced about it. It's just primitive faith. It's biblical, basic biblical faith. And and so, uh, I don't know, I must have prayed with 20 or 30 people, and there were other people around me doing the same. And then this thing is going on. It's like getting to be about 1.30. And the worship leaders just <laughs> had to stop. But people would have stayed there, and that's not the point, right? Staying there all day. But what's happening, I, th I think that little thing in Faith Bridge, it's like, there's a breaking through because most churches aren't accustomed to that. Mm -hmm. They're, they're not close to it. It's just not part of their way, mm -hmm. but it could be. And even a few people it's, this is all person by person by person. This is not group phenomenon. You know, it's not like all of a sudden the, it just starts pouring out on some congregation. That's not how it happened there. It's small mm. and it's simple and it's contagious. And, and particularly, I think the reason why God probably 
historically, you you've in our you know last few hundred couple hundred years, you see this on campuses because they don't really know any better than just to be real. Mm-hmm. They haven't become their sin hasn't become so sophisticated that it is very good at just covering itself, mm. you know, in prosperity and in, you know, all the things that we do to manage our <laughs> insecurities mm. uh, and exhaustion. And so I do think the young need to be brought into the fore and encouraged I mean, because they are more natively responsive and they're also in the most danger. Hmm. But let the young lead. Let the young not, you know, this this wasn't Youth Sunday. This, right. this was like, let the young lead and follow the young. I mean, they're they're crying out for spiritual parents. And our churches are full of people who could become that. Um, I think you know, I think our whole the banding thing is so critical because all a band is three or four people. It's a little fireplace mm. where a fire can burn hot, where a fire can burn down. A, a fire's at its hot at its hottest at the embers, right? Not the bonfire, but when the embers are there. And a band is a is a fireplace. It's it's three or four people becoming real about their experience about the gaps in their life, about the hunger that they have, about their struggles and successes, about what God may be saying and praying for each other. This is so desperate for our local churches to find and begin to build. It's, it's like, it's not the kind of thing that everybody's going to say, Oh yeah, I want one. Right. If you get, t- if you get 10%, yeah. you'll have an awakening that's beginning to be sown and that will multiply and um, so I, I, I think, you know, this isn't something to program for like on Sunday morning, but it is something to, because this didn't happen in their chapel service. It happened in the after the lingering, right? Always invite people to linger. And, and if you notice in church, people always do because the presence of God, when the presence of God is in a body in the midst of a people, people don't want to leave. But I think that can be guided more instead of just, you know, chit-chatting. It can become prayerful. It can become like, let's do work together here in God's presence. Let's pray for each other. I let's... Think, and I think that word hope has been tangible for me in, in the last few weeks of, you know, even as I got a, I mean, just honest confession there, there are a lot of Sundays that I show up hopeful, like you said. Hopeful, yeah. Like maybe <laughs> God, I know God told me that, you know, I know that God's presence is always with us mm-hmm. as a theological concept. But really, another Sunday, another sermon, another, you know, worship set, another whatever, and... And even when we try not to go through the motions, it's so easy to fall into these yeah. patterns of just going through the motions. Um, and at the same time, we tell people just part of, I mean, biggest, biggest, the first step in, in the, that battle of complacency is just showing up, right? You show up when you don't want to, 
sometimes. You show up when you don't feel it sometimes. But there's been this re resurgence and revival, I guess, in my heart as a pastor and with our people of when we show up, God just might do something remarkable, whether I ever know about it or not, um, whether yeah. it looks like I think it needs to look or not. Mm -hmm. Somebody's life could be changed in this, and this community could catch fire in a way that transforms our world. And so that's what I've been sensing yeah. lately. Uh, just it's inspired, I think, a new h hope. Oh, and yeah, it's it's renewed something, and and you know, even like at Faith Bridge, like. Did the whole church just like race to the altar? No, maybe 10% of the people came. Most everybody else just went on about their business. And I'm like, that's okay. Mm -hmm. Let's go with who comes. Find the hungry. Introduce, introduce them to each other. Yeah, Jesus did a lot with 11. <laughs> yeah, I mean, this is going to be, and we've been saying this for years, this is about the small, this is about the seed. This is about the small. This is not, you know, about the big tent, the big thing that you can not. Nobody intends to counterfeit anything, but I mean, you can put a lot of sound to it and a lot of lights and a lot of stuff. And it can look like there's really something powerful there. That's what is hopeful, hope-filled about this thing that happened in Wilmore is that none of it. Yeah. And and it's just like you can do all that. It's not that you can't that we don't do that that at all, but it's that you can do all that and still miss the point. Well, yeah, you you can. That's the thing. You can think there's something going on when there's not really anything going on, and the opposite is also true. Yes. You can look at something very humble and assume there's nothing going on, but something really right. could be right. going on. Right. And that's the big kind of reversal of how God's kingdom works. And so I think our work on the other side of this is in the small. It's in, it's in cultivating humility. It's in Jesus. Okay. It's in creating a place where Jesus can can just like he does in the New Testament can say I wonder is anybody here thirsty mm -hmm. <laughs> is anybody thirsty here um and and create the settings and that's what I it was strange like in Wilmore it felt like there was like New Testament dynamics it's like the whole town shows up at the door and Jesus heals all those who needed healing and you're not, you know, you're not responsible for any of it. And you're just marveling at it. And it's as, it's not flashy or, I mean, there were crazies that showed up. Don't get me wrong. But it didn't become about that. And so the band, like, can we help people build friendship in Jesus? Like, really? Where, Let's not read another book together. Let's actually unfold our lives. Right. Talk, yes. Let's give people access. 
And, um, and that happens, that happens, that, that takes work. It takes showing up and it takes time. You don't just do that with a bunch of strangers the first time you get together. So, uh, it is like you said, like you, we began with the seed bed and the seed, um, that takes, I love some of what you've done with, uh, which I, let me encourage folks to sign up for the wake up call. Uh, which is your daily, dev- you write, you, how long have you been, you were writing and every, years, every yeah. day for eight years, there's been, and I got, well, I've, I've got some, some teammate, yeah. Dan Welch writing for Lent right now. Right. Jesus. But go on the Seedbed website if you're listening. Yeah, to come to Seedbed.com. Uh, starting after Easter, I'm going to jump into like a 16-week series on Romans. We're just going to crawl our way through it. And um, But you use farm, because you grew up on farm. Oh, yeah, you yeah. You use yeah. farm. Uh, metaphors and, and imagery and and you know farming is slow work it's patient work and oh, there's yeah. something going on sometimes even when you don't see it always yeah even when i even when i don't see it you're working that's that so yeah. never stop you never stop working amen and that's a farm and that's foundry baby that's foundry right. the that's... church of fire thanks for stirring it up <laughs> oh man i just listen you just call me anytime i've got a good fire poker i'll come out there <laughs> stoke the fire we're gonna have you as a guest acolyte one week and just bring just let the- me be an acolyte i'll bring my poker we'll just <laughs> stoke fires that's amen. what we do amen hey thanks for spending a few minutes with me today yeah ray i'm so proud of you and, what you're and, doing uh, what's happening thanks buddy um you're blessing our church in many ways and and thanks for sharing with us All right. Okay. Adios.